Ready for some word today? If you have your Bibles, go ahead and get that out. And, uh, and let's get into some word. Am I missing something again? You guys rejoice over interesting things. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I've been teaching a series called A Whole New World. The last time we were together, and I want to continue there today. Our text, 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 17. Everybody ready? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And let me remind you of the ERV, which reads, when anyone is in Christ, it is a whole new world. Old things are gone. Suddenly, everything is new with feedback. (laughs) Praise God. And so, uh, a whole new world. reason I, I, I titled the message, entitled the message that, is because it kind of gives us a picture of the magnitude of this event of being saved. Being a new creation in Christ is no narrow scoped event. It is much bigger than we have comprehended. Okay? There, there is something about the spiritual dimensions of being a new creation that must be intentionally pursued. We must seek to find. We must open our, our, our hearts to receive the magnitude of this event. We have an eternal element, aspect of our existence. Okay, we should, sometimes people just think temporal, temporary. I'm short-lived. I'm limited. I'm in a, some kind of human box. But yet the part of us that's born again is of God, eternal. It is way beyond what we typically can imagine. And we could say limitless. We are not limited, but limitless. Again, it's, all, it's almost illogical from this standpoint. How do we get such a big thing in such a small container? In other words, our spiritual reality and existence is much larger than our physical one. In the spirit, I think we stick out. You know what I'm talking about? It's like those old pants you tried to put on and they, you kind of stick out. <laughs> Sorry for that picture. Uh, but spiritually speaking, we stick out in a good way. We're much larger spiritually. Our, our, our spiritual existence is much bigger than what we know physically. The problem is that so many Christians are taught and believe that they are just forgiven sinners. And I tell you, we are so much more. Some of what became reality in our lives when we were made a new creature, uh, creation in Christ, is we were made alive. Now again, say, what is that? Well, the Greek word for life is is zoe, Z-O-E, and it's the quality of life that God exists in. 
So when someone is saved, God's very life gets infused into a human being. It is, it is big time. It's a quality of, of living. Um, we are placed in union with God. And again, that's a real revelation because too many people, they go through life and we think sometimes of ourselves as apart from God. We're judging our behavior. We're judging our, our, our own worth in our own eyes or someone else's eyes. And it's God and us. We pray like he's over there and we're here. We walk through life as if he's distant instead of believing the word, which says we have been made one with him. I don't know about you, but that's even, I know that. That's a scripture. My mind trips a little bit like, whoa, I'm one with God. Say, is that a verse? It's 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. There's something there that needs to be grasped. All right. Uh, we have identification with Christ. You know, maybe we, we, we could apply for new driver's licenses once we get saved. <laughs> Who's on your ID? Jesus. But it's, 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 we have totally new identity. We have right standing with God, or as the scriptures call it, righteousness. We're made right with Him. It is not only important for us to know what is true about ourselves in Christ, but also it is important for us to verbally agree with that reality continually. And this is the the tendency of so many of us is to repeat negatives, to verbally agree with things we see and feel instead of intentionally, verbally agreeing with spiritual truth. And the difference in doing that has real life consequences. It really does. For the person who's saved, but their, their verbiage is all the opposite of that. It's going to affect their life, their relationship with God. Let me draw your attention to a, a great verse in, in the book of Philemon and, and verse six. There's only one chapter here that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice, first of all, if you're in Christ Jesus, there are good things in you. If anyone thinks, well, there's nothing good in me. No, if you're in Christ, there are good things in you. There are good things. Say, where did they come from? God put them there. When you said, Jesus, I make you my Lord and my Savior, God put his goodness, his good things inside of you. What are we instructed to do? Acknowledge that. Acknowledge the good stuff. But can you see the the course of this world and how so many of us think? We acknowledge bad stuff. People, many times, how many times throughout the last few days, if you could remember, have you acknowledged things that are wrong. You gave voice, you gave weight, you gave credibility to things that were wrong, things that were dark, things that were evil, things that failed instead of, or instead of things that are of God and are of good. But how many times have we just been neutral? Amen. It's like some people, you know, have, have trouble expressing themselves in good ways. 
lot of times men don't do that real well. They see something in their home that falls apart. <laughs> something went wrong and, you know, but someone does something right. Silence. The meal turned out horrible. Wrong. Is this bird? I don't like this. You know, I don't like this. But it perfect silence. I mean, no, that's not really a godly characteristic. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But we carry that same mentality over to, in, to the realities in Christ, and we just are silent about what's true. And it doesn't work that way. Christianity doesn't work that way. It needs verbal activation. You know, kind of like uh, we have our phones and cars and everything. You can tell everything's verbally activated now. You have to talk to it, say this, and then it'll, you know, you get in a lot of our cars, my car, I say, I push a button, say, take me to, you know, and I name the place. And it says, okay. There's, a, <laughs> there's this voice. She sounds a little too mild. Okay. And, uh, and then it maps it out, how, how to get there. Well, some of these things also need our voice in line with them. Praise God. And so we're to acknowledge. Instead of, again, what's the opposite? I'm a failure. I'm broke. I'm depressed. I'm struggling. Stop all that. You're cussing. If we see those things as that, well, stop, stop giving voice to it. You know, I'm sick, I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm burned out, frustrated, unmotivated. Okay, see, we've built into our, our, our mentality a habit of saying things when they're wrong. Or just because we feel it, we say it, we let it out. Instead, and, and hardly ever give voice to, I'm a new creation in Christ. Uh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The peace of God reigns in my heart. Come on, I've got victory on every side. Everywhere I turn, God is working and moving and providing and making a way and leading me. And I know his voice and I know his ways. And too often we don't say things like that. Hallelujah. That's why we need to be stirred up. And my, my, my desire is, to, is that we would be stirred, that you would be stirred to the degree I want to teach this well enough to where your conversation continues it when the service is over. Have you ever noticed sometimes in church you get done and the conversation immediately switches to the weather? Conversation immediately switches to lunch. And I know that works in you, but it's not that that's wrong. These things aren't sinful, but I so desire for I get done and people keep talking about what, we're, what the service was about. That God is so real that we're still talking about it. And at lunch, it comes up again. That's when these things are going to make a difference. When, when we can acknowledge continually every good thing. I, I can remember being in some different countries. Uh, you know, what we call the third world sometimes. And you'll see people get saved and then they rename their business. You know, you'd see Joe's auto body, but then Joe gets saved and now it's Jesus Auto Body. 
And that, that seems almost strange because people don't do that in, in our country and so forth. But at the same time, it's kind of revealing. It's like, that guy's taking this serious. It's like he's, he's changing his whole existence, his whole identity, his whole business. I'm a Christian now, so everything in my life is going to shout that. I, I mean, I think we should be concerned if we can get saved and no one notices. Gave my life to the Lord. And the only way they would notice is that our car's not in the driveway on Sunday morning. <laughs> I think there ought to be something a little deeper than that, right? And this is what we want to be, want to be more real in our lives. Uh, in the book of Romans chapter 8, we're given, this, there's a great verse that kind of helps us bring, bring us into reality. Uh, notice verse 30 with me. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. I want you to notice called past tense. Whom he called, these he also justified. Justify what? Duh. Justified. Uh. Whom he justified, these he, these he also glorified. Duh. Notice, not he's going to call us, he's going to justify us, he's going to glorify us. It says he already did this. These are already present tense realities in the life of the believer. So how should we think? Call of God, justified by him, glorified by God himself. Yeah. If you've never thought of yourself as glorified, start. You're a walking, glorified being. I realize our bodies are not glorified. We're going to get glorified bodies. But this verse is still in the past tense. I realize we can't look in the mirror and see called, justified, and glorified in the physical mirror, your bathroom mirror. But yet it's still a, a spiritual fact. And what we have to do is be able to be spiritual enough to see beyond the physical. So you wake up in the morning, you go and you look in the bathroom and it's like, you know, ah! <laughs> you look in the mirror, I mean. But what are you? Well, it's not describing your hair. It's not describing your morning look. It's describing who you really are in Christ. And so we say, praise God, call of God, justified and glorified by Him. Amen. Amen. Now, one of the challenges that we run into theologically with a belief system is that even after a person would readily see these verses I'm sharing that I have been sharing about our standing with God, uh, the righteousness that we have in Christ, what happens is they, they want to add that to the sinful condition. And so it is actually taught that Christians have a dual nature, that they are both righteous and unrighteous, that they've been saved, but they also have this, this sinner component to them, okay? And they speak about a, our sin nature, and they use it in that language, not, not past tense, but present tense, okay? If you think that way or have been taught that way, Allow me the opportunity to change your mind. Or to at least try. All right. I'll use the word. But, 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 but let, me, let me try to interrupt that thinking because I believe it, it really is dangerous. It really does produce harmful results in your walk with God and in your ability to overcome in life. Okay. In other words, I do not believe that you and 
Is my mic going out? Could you fix that too with the lights? <laughs> might be the same button. <laughs> uh, is, uh, is that the person who is saved is not partially saved. They are not righteous and unrighteous, but are completely a new creation in Christ. It's a whole new world. All right. If you would, turn with me to the book of Ephesians and chapter 4. If you're able to look at this with your own eyes and see it with your own eyes, that would be best. Ephesians chapter 4, and notice with me verse 21. Ephesians 4, 21. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man. Everybody say, put off. Former conduct. Okay, so the, he calls that the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed where? It, in the mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, so notice the new man, what, what is he made up of? Righteousness and holiness. So, if anyone is, you've received the Lord, what would, how would he describe you right now? No qualifiers with how you've acted this morning. No qualifiers with how faithful you've been to church or with your giving or anything else. No qualifiers. You've just received the Lord. You did it a year ago. You did it yesterday. You did it 50 years ago. What's the condition? You are righteous and holy. In other words, a spiritual additive to your existence that changed your inward being is righteous and holy. Hallelujah. This is part of acknowledging every good thing that's in us in Christ. That means we say this, even if we look in the, in the bathroom mirror and it looks ugly. In other words, it looks anything but righteous and holy. We say righteous and holy in him. Okay. But here's where it comes, this, this confusion can come to some, is they will say, well, according to these verses, there is a, a new man and an old man. They will say, we all have a new man, all Christians have a new man, and they have an old man, which they'll refer to as our sinful nature, okay? But I submit to you today that you don't have an old man, that the old man died. Paul said it this way over in, you know, uh, in, in Galatians. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. Another place he said, my old man was crucified with Christ. So the old guy that is being referred to here is not alive. He kicked the bucket, bought the farm, right? He, the old you is, is, is no longer here. Okay. So when we see here, putting on the new man is speaking of getting, of not getting a new self. I'm not still trying to get this righteousness. Putting on the new man is something I already have, but letting that new man dominate my actions. Do we all need to put on the new man? Yes. Put them on. The new man that already exists, 
put him on, meaning let him dominate your actions. Putting off the old man is not speaking of having an old man, but rather is referring to denying the lusts that were taught us by our old selves when he was still alive. Everybody with me? Because it references the mind. So in other words, before all of us came to the Lord, we learned a bunch of ungodly, unholy, unrighteous ways of life. When you got saved, those thoughts and ways of being didn't all leave your mentality. They remained. So now the person in Christ has to put on a new mentality, a new way of living, a new way of thinking, and put off that old stuff. Doesn't mean that stuff is alive. It's just what the old dude taught you while he was existing. One way I like to explain this, I, I explain this in my, my little book that we give to our new believers, is that it, our, our, our minds being trained in this way is kind of like having a field behind your home that, that is unkept, unmaintained, just weeds and grass and things grow out in this field. But you have you know, another building, a barn or something on the other side of the field that you regularly go to. How many know whatever you do all the time in that field is going to create a path? Okay, so the weeds will stop growing and you will be able to walk that pathway unobstructed without much effort. It's normal. You could all you do it enough times. You could almost do it with your eyes closed. You could walk that path and end up where you want to go. But if, by chance, you want to go a different route, if you want to make a new path, it's going to take a little bit of work because you're going to have to be, you know, high-stepping and knocking down the weeds, and it's going to take longer. It's going to mess your shoes up. Uh, But if you'll do it and then walk back and then walk again and then walk back and start doing that multiple times a day, every day, week after week after week after week, what's going to happen? You're going to create a new path to where after a while, it will seem easy, natural, normal. It won't be difficult. In fact, if you stop walking the old path, it's going to start growing over. And if you want to go down the old path, now that's going to be work. Okay? This is how our mind works. When we put on the new man continually and adapt to this uh, God's ways in the spirit of our mind, at the beginning, it's a little bit of a challenge. You're really tempted just to go the old way. Speak the old way, think the old thoughts, conduct your life in that manner. As I've been doing this for years. But you realize, I'm saved now. I'm a new creation in Christ. That's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. I don't want to walk over there. Sure would be easy right now. But I don't want to do that. That's not who I am. I'm walking a new path. But at the beginning, sometimes you need some help. You need other people to say, come on, don't go over there. You know what it's like. That's bad news. Walk this way. It's hard. I don't understand. I'm getting weeds in my toes. But do it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Get in church. Get in this class. Get around these people. Get in, get in this. Do it and keep doing it. Yes. 
And after a few weeks, ah, sure, man, it sure would be easy to go over there. No, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. What's gonna happen? It's gonna become normal. It's gonna become easy. And you will begin, you will be, you will have that new man put on. The new man that's in you, righteousness, holiness, created in Christ. Now that has been put on and it's your natural way of living. Everybody with me today? If it takes a little bit of effort to do that for a while, it's totally worth the effort. And, and, and can I tell you, this is even true with mature believers in various areas. And in other words, that old pathway sometimes exists in different parts of our life that we just didn't know that it needed retrained. And we see, oh, there's a truth, there's a revelation, there's an answer from God. This is reality. I've been thinking wrong about this. I've been talking wrong about this. I've been doing marriage wrong. I've been doing healing wrong. I've been doing my finances wrong. And it's easy just to keep doing that. But you get a revelation from God's word, you start talking different, you start speaking different, and you force it for a little while. Force it until the weeds lay down and your mind adapts to God's ways. See, it's not the spirit of a Christian that needs to change. It's only the mind. Romans chapter 12 tells us that the renewing of the mind is necessary for our transformation. Praise God. Amen. Now, someone says, well, what about, uh, what about the flesh? You say we don't have a dual nature, but what about the flesh? Don't we all have flesh? It depends on what you mean by that. It really does. I've done... Uh, some study on the word flesh in the Bible. And I have found that the word flesh means several different things, not just one. It all depends on the context. If you would bear with me for a moment, I'll tell you what they are and read a, 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 a scriptures that go along with it, okay? Uh, the flesh can refer to the physical body. Just the physical body. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, so forth. The life, the life which I now live in the flesh, what, he, what is he talking about? I have a physical body. How I many know the physical body is not inherently evil or sinful? It's a container. It's a suit. When you die, you step out of it. In the meantime, it's not a sinful body. It's just a body. What happens spiritually in the spirit and in the soul is what controls the body. Everybody with me? So I don't think I got this sinner body. No, you don't. You just have a body. You just have a body and it's like Play-Doh. And you can, do, you can make it do things. And when you, when you learn your authority in Christ, you learn you can boss it around. Yeah, instead of it bossing you around, but that's another subject. Okay? The flesh can refer to human effort. Human effort, Galatians 3.3. 3. Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit, or are you now made perfect by the flesh? You get saved by grace, and now you're going to earn your way into the, into the rest of God's blessings? So it's a, it, it refers to human effort. It can be used to just contrast life in heaven versus life on earth. Speaking of Melchizedek, it says in Hebrews 5, 7, who in the days of his flesh. It's talking about his earthly life. If you know people in heaven, this might sound strange, but you could refer to them and say, you know, my uh, Uncle Bob, in the days of his flesh... 
In other words, when he was here. That would be one way the word flesh is used. It's also used about natural abilities. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Okay? We're not warring with natural, but with spiritual. Okay? Even the word carnal in the Bible, you know carnal? You know what, like a carnal Christian is called a, that would be a fleshy Christian? Like... That's definitely the flesh. Uh, you know, Christian con carne. <laughs> it's referring to the flesh could be <laughs> spoken of in that way. It's also, um, we could talk about it in terms of the sin nature, like we've referred to. Romans 7, 5, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But again, that's talking pre-Christ. When we were in the flesh, what do you mean in the flesh? When we were not saved. When we were pre-Christ in our life. So it's the sin nature. The word flesh is used at times talking about people being motivated by things other than the Spirit of God. Sometimes we'll use uh, the term flesh in church, say someone stands up and uh, supposedly prophesies, you know, thus saith the Lord, and you're listening, and on the inside it's like, mm-mm, no, that's not God. What, what would you say? They were speaking in the flesh, not in the Spirit. In other words, they weren't led by the Spirit. They were led by, as Ezekiel called it, Ezekiel 13, they prophesy out of their own hearts. Okay? That's a fleshly activity. Or, or let's say... Um, Let's say we have, you know, we're worshiping God and we're celebrating and getting after it. And, uh, and someone does something totally bizarre out of the ordinary and it doesn't draw people's attention to God, but it draws attention to them. We would say they were in the flesh. That's kind of how that word is, is, is sometimes used. Um, when, when people use the, the, the phrase, the nature of the flesh, I don't recommend you think that way as a Christian. Like, I'm a Christian, but, you know, we all have that nature of the flesh. No, you don't. Now, think about this. That nature of the flesh died with Jesus. It's not something that still exists. What that old dude taught you might still exist, but that's why we're speaking. If this were all just a part of how we think automatically when we get saved, we wouldn't bother teaching the subject. We're trying to get our minds to catch up. We put on the new man, put on the new man, put on the new man, put on the new man. It's a good way to think every morning when you get dressed. Put on your pants and put on the new man. In other words, I'm going to think like Christ. I'm going I'm to function in true righteousness and holiness today. It's my nature. It's the normal for who I am. It's the pathway I'm going to walk on. Yeah, put that on every day. When the old dude sticks up his head, you know, if you went to the... The cemetery, you know, the lid started rattling. You'd go, oh, something's wrong here. Yikes. There's activity here. When that happens in your life, <laughs> slam it down. Another, well, you know what I mean by that? When you, if you catch yourself speaking, thinking, acting in a way that's, that's in alignment with the old dude, get serious and say, nope, or dead. I'm not going to entertain those thoughts or actions or behavior. I'm a new man in Christ. Hallelujah.
Let me have you look at one verse and then we'll, we'll, we'll close today. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians, the fifth chapter. I hope this is helping to not think of yourself as just partially good and partially evil, but to think of yourself as a new creation. It's a whole new world. In Galatians 5, we read about the fruit of the Spirit, the works of the flesh. He finishes that that teaching with this, verse 24. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I want you to notice again the past tense nature of the verse. Not, we all need to crucify our flesh. No, the scripture says those who are Christ's, what, what's the word? Have. They have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a really, I really am, but I still have these desires to do wrong things. I still have these passions to do things that are ungodly. Listen, I understand that. I get that. But how, it doesn't come, be, it doesn't come from your new nature. It comes from the lingering teaching from the past. It comes from those, the, the past dude that taught you to think that way. That's why it's a struggle. So when we approach it, we should just be quick to say, no, no, my flesh has been crucified. I no longer have those desires. I desire, and say the opposite, acknowledge every good thing. I desire righteous living. I desire a holy life. I desire to be and live and think and walk just like my father, just like Jesus. I desire, uh, this is what I want. This is my passion. Amen. If you're catching yourself looking at the wrong things, seeing the wrong things, just look right at it and say, I don't want that anymore. That's not who I am. I don't want this. It, it, the old man will crack the lid of the coffin and say, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You're lying. You really want this. <laughs> Slam it down. It's not who I am. I put on the new man. I desire what's right and what's good and what's faithful and what's true. Come on. I, de- I desire what is, what, is, what is in Christ and who I am in him. He goes on to say, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Praise God. So can a new creation in Christ still walk in the flesh? This isn't a trick question. I don't think I'm going to say yes because I'm going I'm to get it. Yes, they can. Okay, it's a mentality. It's a way of acting. It's not who you are. But that's why he says, walk in the Spirit. Why? Because the flesh was crucified. Because that's dead, now walk this way. In other words, I could still walk in the dead stuff. But I'm being exhorted That's not who you are. That's not what you have. That's not what Christ is in you. That's not who you are in him. So walk a different way. Walk in the spirit. Amen. Amen. Say it out loud with me. Say, I will will. live in the spirit, walk in the spirit, be led by the spirit, 
all the days of my life. It's who I am. It's what I want to do. I no longer am dominated by the old man. He's dead. And now all things are new. My desires are for the Lord. And for His ways. Oh, I love to do what's right. I love to live a holy life. I love to give. And love. And serve. And forgive. I no longer live in anger. I'm not dominated by fear. Sickness and disease is a part of the past. Now I live in God's best. Amen. Hallelujah. What are we doing? What are we doing? What? We are acknowledging good things. Do that every day. Find something that you could get in your mouth to acknowledge the good things that you are in Christ. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for working in here today by your spirit, by your power, by your great love. Lord, you're so good to us. You are faithful, faithful, faithful.